Hey, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I am your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where we try and figure out how to get better at doing the hard stuff that makes life exciting. Today on the show, I'm joined by Annalise Arnold, who is a kick-ass mother. She's a kick-ass businesswoman and a mindfulness coach, amongst a lot of, of other things. And today, we're having a conversation about basically kick-assing your life. We cover off a whole lot of topics. We cover off some mindfulness. We cover off starting in business. We cover off mindset, overcoming challenge, being your own inner coach, and and also expressing a little bit of self-love as well. So I really hope that you enjoy getting uncomfortable with Annalise and I today. Annalise Arnold, welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's nice to be here. Oh, it's my it's my pleasure. I always like to just kick things off with a little bit of background about people. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? So I was born in the Huntley area, so in the Waikato is where I was born. I spent uh, my first seven years there, and then my family and I moved to Waihei, and I spent the latter part of my years um, up until I left home at Waihei. I went to school there, went to college there, yeah, kind of went over to university in Hamilton and trained to be a primary school teacher. So uh, my main years of my childhood were spent in Waihi on a farm. I grew up on a farm with my family. I'm from a quite a big family. There's eight of us. So um, made for fun times growing up. But yeah, that's kind of yeah. a little bit about where I'm from. So, awesome. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 30. I had to think on that one. I'm 37. <laughs> 37? Okay, yeah. So I'm 36. And the reason that I ask is I went to Thames High School up yes. until the end of sixth form. So played a lot of sport against Waihi over the years. So yeah, I yeah, may have... Good old battles between the different uh, local... Uh... <laughs> it, was always, it was always good fun. It was always good fun. And Annalise kind of staying in childhood for a little bit. Are there any, any formative experiences that you remember from kind of early years or, or even later years that have pointed you down the path that you're on today? I guess for me personally, growing up from a big family, I always, I love connection and I love connecting with people. And I think that comes back to always having people around me. So I am the second eldest of eight children. I've got um, quite a big span between me and even my young younger siblings. So for some of them, I was almost like a second mum and I quite enjoyed being able to be that support to them and kind of guide them, you know, through their through their younger years and, and as they grew up and things. So definitely coming from a big family teaches you to kind of also to know different personality types and kind of get on with different people and just be able to listen and so a lot of it I guess coming from a big family allowed me to um, tap into those things and my background is teaching so I'm a primary school teacher and I think I always loved connecting with kids and growing up with lots of kids around it was something that just kind of naturally flowed for me to go into teaching and just have that as my experience and whilst now what I do now with my business is I'm now teaching mums or teaching adults so it's still that form of teaching that I love I guess growing up in that environment and having lots of people around and you know nurturing people and being there for my brothers and sisters was really kind of quite helpful to, to put me in the path that I've kind of gone down in my life to, to date. And is that why you got into decided to go into teaching to start with is that you identified that early on that you like those things and thought that this is a cool way to deploy them? Yeah, definitely. I remember, in fact, I was, as a kid, I was the one that was the teacher. So I remember mm. even as like six, seven, eight years old, I was the teacher and with the younger siblings, I'd line them up and they'd all sit in my classroom and we'd all chat. <laughs> so even back then, it was kind of, it's almost innate in me to want to, you know, to teach and to share knowledge and to impart knowledge. And so I think it, it was always there. And then just as I got older, I just love connecting, particularly with kids. I just love having that connection and just seeing the growth and the, the impact that you can have in their life is just really powerful. So, you know, I've taught both in New Zealand and overseas and just seeing the different systems and things and just seeing how people respond. It's, it can be really, really powerful. So, yeah, I think mm. it's definitely been within me since I was very, very young. Cool. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's something that is quite fascinating as well as the way that people learn and the, the different learning styles and approaches and how we have to 
interact with people in, in different ways and present the same information in different ways so that they can absorb it as well. How long were you teaching for? Uh, so I've taught for about, it was about 10 plus years. So I spent four years, four and a half years teaching in Huntley. I really loved that. Just the different children that you got to teach people that came through and things. And then my now husband, but at the time he was my partner, we moved overseas to London and we spent five years in London. And I taught over there at um, quite a few different schools, but mainly in the independent sector, so the private schools. So it was interesting seeing the perspective from Huntley, which is a low socioeconomic area, moving over to London where people have just got, yeah, just abundance of everything mm. that they need and just being the other end of the spectrum in regard to education as well and the expectations on education. So yeah, it was a very, very interesting, um, different perspectives around what people believe education should be or shouldn't be and things like that. So yeah. Yeah, there would be some fascinating viewpoints from kind of both both ends of that spectrum, I would imagine. Tell me about leaving teaching. When did you decide that actually, hey, I'm I'm not going to teach kids any longer? So that kind of came about when I decided to, or we decided to start a family. At the time, we were still living in London, so I fell pregnant whilst living in London. And we'd made the decision prior to move back to New Zealand. And after being in London for five years, we'd loved it, we'd done everything we had, but we were missing family quite a bit. We moved back to New Zealand when I was pregnant. And whilst I love teaching, I really do love the actual teaching. I know the pressures that are placed on teachers these days. And for me, I just couldn't, especially with a young family, I couldn't imagine myself full-time teaching. Like whilst I've picked up relieving and different things over the years, just putting my whole, I felt as though I couldn't give everything that I wanted to if I was a mother as well as a teacher. And I know some people manage that beautifully, but just for me, I just, I really wanted to dedicate that time and that, especially the early years of my kid's life to being a present mother for them and being there for them. So whilst it was, it was kind of, not a hard decision to do at once I became a mother and I was a few years into my journey I then started to think well what do I do now I very much identify as a mum but you know I don't want to go back to teaching and that's when kind of a few big life decisions kind of came um, and deciding to start my own business kind of happened as well so it kind of moved in that direction um, after a few years of being a mum. Yeah, interesting. I kind of understand with you what you mean about the competing demands of being a parent and also trying to work and, and trying to do other things as well and, and trying to figure out where that balance lies for yourself as well. And I think that's uh, it's been one of the challenges that I've faced being being a dad and obviously still still working a day job, but also doing a podcast and, and kind of running a business alongside that as well about how can I maintain my focus on each of the important areas that I want to be focusing on at that time as well. And I think it, over time, I'm, I'm getting better at it. There's still some, there's still some challenges that I face, but um, and most of them are if I'm trying to do two different things at once, and then I don't end up doing either of them really well. It's been an interesting experience as well. But if we go back to when you started to think about, hey, what's the next step for me? What were you feeling at the time? Like, what do you remember? What thought processes were going through your head at that stage? If I'm being completely honest and quite vulnerable here, um, at the time, especially in my motherhood journey, I felt quite lost. I, whilst I loved being a mum, at the time I had two young children, so one of them was six months old, one was two and a half, and I loved it, but I just, you know, what I truly wanted, and, and some hard questions kind of had to be asked of me to to kind of decide what, what kind of my next steps were. Whilst I loved teaching and I knew that was something that um, I could always kind of fall back on if I needed to, it wasn't something that pulled me to want to go back. So at the time I had a lot of learning and growing to do and that's effectively at that time when I started my mindfulness journey, when I started my personal development journey and just really went on a journey of growth and discovery just to really see what lit me up and really um, set me on fire and 
you know, having two young kids at the time, it was, it was challenging. I found motherhood quite hard. There was to the, I guess, to the external world, it sounded like I kind of had my, you know, everything in order and I was doing really well, but internally, and I think that's the part that a lot of people don't show is the internal struggles we have. And internally, I was just really finding it hard to manage being a mother, but then also find out who I was and what I wanted and what kind of set me on fire or one of passions that I had. So that journey began about four years ago and it's been it's been a, an incredible journey and so much growth has happened in that time and I'm just yeah just incredibly grateful for it so that's kind of I guess where it began for me yeah and I think that there's a lot of challenges challenges that people have that are that are really similar to that as well as that it's the what is it that does light me up and and often it is kind of a large life event or a series of life events that kind of make you take stock a little bit more of actually what is it that excites me but also what is it that hopefully is going to allow me to do the things that I that I want to be doing and engage in life the way that I want to I think it's a shame sometimes that actually we don't start to figure that out earlier on that it does take something as exciting as having some children which is a positive but sometimes it takes a, a more sort of catastrophic life event as well that someone gets injured or becomes ill or or has uh, kind of loses a loved one that starts to trigger this process for us and starts to to have us asking these questions of ourselves and like I think the point that you made there as well about figuring out what lights you up is a really cool one because like there's a lot of talk out there about passions and uh you need to find your passion and you need to go and and do this and do that and actually often that makes people feel worse i think is that yeah. because if you don't have a passion and everyone's telling you to find your passion then going to feel pretty rubbish if you're like well actually i don't have one yeah. so like i like the way that you framed it is that you had to go out and, and figure out things for yourself and how many things did you try that actually turned out to be duds or how yeah. many kind of avenues did you start to explore maybe for me I guess I was kind of fortunate in that I like I say mindfulness is a practice that I I talk about a lot and it's something that I teach mums nowadays that's that's kind of part of what I do uh, within my business so whilst at the time I didn't really know what it was I kind of just simply stumbled across and I thought oh this sounds interesting and and in my journey I guess I've kind of weaved in and out of what my understanding of mindfulness is and kind of getting clarity on that like I'd heard all the definitions and different things and some things resonated and some didn't and so I guess within the journey it's it's kind of figuring out what works for you so along the way there were probably moments where I was thinking yes I'm really mindful in this moment or I'm really you know nailing it but in hindsight when I reflect on it it's like oh no that didn't really happen or even just uh you know with with family life I think I think kids uh, definitely push your buttons sometimes and bring out the sides of you that sometimes are hidden and and maybe that's the purpose of having children is sometimes, you know, them showing us the lessons that we need to learn in our life. And so, yeah, along my journey, there's been lots of moments where that's kind of happened. And But even just in business, like, you know, there's been certain things that I've tried in business and I thought, yes, this is going to go really well, like certain events that I've run and it hasn't gone to plan or things haven't kind of gone out the way that I'd originally thought. So, yeah, just I think you just kind of learn to weave your way through things and then and then, yeah, obviously learn from it. I'm, I'm a firm believer that even in our challenges or even in what could be perceived as our failures, that's where we grow and learn the most. And mm. that's been something that I've had to embrace quite a lot, particularly in business. You kind of want to have things going your way all the time, but it doesn't happen like that. And when things don't go your way, sometimes that's when you have those biggest lessons that kind of come through and you're like, oh yes, this happened for this reason. And I've learned this as a result of it. Yeah. And has that been something that's come quite naturally to you to do that? Or is that something that you've had to learn over time I think it's it does come fairly naturally but it definitely has been something that I've had to learn like initially when I first started my business it was quite hard to get knockbacks or to get um, no's or not get responses or failures or things like that like I I'm very much a person that can take things personally so I guess over the years I've definitely developed more of a thicker skin just to be able to handle those things and actually to shift my mindset because that's the other part of what I do is I share you know mindset techniques and strategies with my clients and it's actually knowing that um, 
um, at any given time, we have the choice as to how we respond to situations and things and how uh, we respond to what comes at us. So the mindset has been really key for me and shifting how I perceive things and, you know, the way that I originally viewed failure, I thought it was a bad thing and I shouldn't want to fail and you have to have everything perfect. But along the journey, I've learned that, yes, we do fail and it's actually good for us to fail because that's when we learn and we don't always get things right the first time and just to actually learn to ride the wave of life you know to actually ride it and kind of go with the flow I think that's kind of been something I've had to embrace a lot is going with the flow <laughs> mm. and I mean you, you've kind of partially answered the next question that I was going to ask you but when things go wrong for you in business or in life from a practical perspective what do you do do you have a process that you go through or a process you that you follow yeah so for from a practical perspective, there's quite a few practices that I have and do within my daily life that really help me to move through either challenges or difficulties or things, especially when things don't go your way. And the two key practices that really help me is meditation and journal writing. And I talk about this lots with my clients and just the power of both. So even if I've had a challenging day or a challenging moment, I can always come back to meditation, which in some moments it could just be simply as focusing on my breath and just breathing, taking those deep diaphragmatic breaths just to, to relax my mind, my body, and just center myself to be able to respond to a situation rather than react to the situation. Uh, and then um, sometimes if it's been a big uh, event that's possibly shaped me or rattled me or something that's kind of been a bit more significant, maybe that evening, like I say, I'll do a meditation practice that evening and just kind of get clarity on it and things. And then the other practice that is really powerful for me is journal writing. So quite often I will um, write things down. So uh, there's, there was an instance a few years ago with my with my children and it was just a really, really challenging afternoon. And I'm sure <laughs> mums out there or even dads out there would know what these afternoons are like where you just feel as though your buttons are pushed 24 seven and it was just me at home with three young kids. And I just got to a point where I just snapped mentally and emotionally and I just burst into tears and it was just so so raw and in that moment I was like I need to write and I literally just went to my desk and I just started writing everything that I was feeling just getting it all out on paper and it was such a release and I think that's what we tend to do we hold it in so much and it was such a release and as I wrote it was really interesting seeing the process I was very quite you know uptight initially and just really thinking about the issues that had happened and then as I got through the writing I started to relax I started to you know see things from a different perspective I started to have that compassion that kindness for myself and for others and I was actually able to move through it so writing is such a powerful practice for me uh, either in the moment if I don't do it in the moment I definitely do it afterwards so either that night or the following morning I just write things out so those definitely two practices that really help me but in the moment uh, there's always and I quite often talk about this is the notion of practice the pause so that's the opportunity where we got to where we actually get to just step back and pause and decide which action we take so if I'm triggered or if there's a moment where you know something's not going my way or I feel as though something's flaring up I can practice the pause, I can stop, and that's where we're being mindful. That's mindfulness in its essence. And then I can respond to the situation rather than reacting. So um, those are kind of three definite practices that are easy to implement and, and I do on a daily basis, particularly meditation and journal writing are two practices I do definitely on a daily basis just to help, help ground me and help keep me centered and be able to learn to respond to the situation or to whatever is going on rather than reacting. Mm. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're super valuable practices and I probably do both of the, those, the meditation and the journal writing ones <clears throat> on a slightly more than sporadic um, mm -hmm. <laughs> frequency, I think. Um, and yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of power in terms of getting that stuff out that you're feeling as well and whether that's for you if it's a journal writing um kind of style or some people actually prefer it conversation based and actually having a conversation either with themselves or, or with someone else as well and i think uh, i've mentioned it on the podcast beforehand is that often 
like if I'm wrapped up in the moment, I'm not a hundred percent sure of what it is that I'm actually thinking until I get it out there that I kind of start to understand my thoughts and understand my ideas much more as I start to express them. And probably for me, um, and probably why I have a podcast is because I do it a little bit. I prefer a little bit more from a talking perspective than a writing perspective. I like that. I like the writing, but um, I, I'd usually prefer to have a conversation if I can. And thankfully my wife is really tolerant um, because sometimes I don't know the point that I'm making until I get to it. <laughs> Whereas she is, um, she's uh, probably a little bit more introverted and a little bit more analytical than I am. So she, has uh, kind of formulated things before she speaks them. Um, whereas I'm the other way around. I'll start talking and then I'm like, where am I going with this? Um, but mm, that the more that you, the more that you get that out and the more that you share one, the more you under, start to understand yourself. Um, but also, yeah, the more that the, the less that it tends to have a hold of you. And I think that's key is, you know, we tend to hold so much in and I think that's the beauty of what I share and, and want to coach people and let people know is that, um, you know, that, that notion of the emotional intelligence, actually knowing what's going on within yourself and, and checking in daily and saying, how am I feeling in this moment, whether it's in a situation or just generally, how am I feeling? Like actually tuning in with our emotions. And if we can do that and model that, particularly to our children, then we're teaching them to know and understand all the different and varied emotions that they have. And I think it's key also to let ourselves know and our children that, you know, all emotions are valid and valued. I think very much as a society, we kind of try and shy away from certain emotions, but for us to really understand them, we really need to know what they mean and how they represent or show up within our body and kind of tune into our physical body to know how we're feeling when we experience those different emotions. So I think, um, yeah, that point that you said around talking to people, I, I've had many moments where uh, I may have had a challenging day, whether it's in my parenting journey or whether it's in business. And just going and chatting to someone, the power of that uh, quite often sometimes is um, underestimated as well. Like just picking up the phone or actually physically going and seeing someone and talking just as such. Once again, it's that release. It's getting it out of you. It's getting it out of your head because we spend so much time in our head. And, 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 it, and it's more about kind of dropping into the present moment and actually acknowledging what is going on within us and, and how we can move, move through it. Mm. And if kind of someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I want to get there, mm -hmm. but that sounds like a lot of hard work. Where does someone start on this process of starting to understand themselves a little bit better? Um, I think I always say baby steps, like if you're wanting to make a change in any area of your life, baby steps is key. So whether you're listening and you're thinking, oh, meditation sounds like something that may be helpful. You know, I always share and direct that, you know, take baby steps. So first of all, uh, you know, go onto YouTube and see what meditations are out there or or sign up to a meditation class an introduction to meditation class or things like that or just you know just experiment with your own style and then kind of take things from there uh, same with journal writing or writing people may naturally write and some people may not and so it's just the important thing is to figure out where you are and start from where you are and just move slowly in the direction. Because I think when we say we want to start a new practice or do something different, we can place a lot of pressure on ourselves. So it's just about kind of acknowledging this is where I'm at and this is what I'd like to do and this is what I'd like to kind of, the direction I'd like to move in. So I think starting small is really key. Uh, Personally, for me, journal writing, like I said, is a powerful practice. So on my website, I've got a, a template for a journal writing um, that I personally do. So there's a template and there's an explanation that kind of helps. And I've guided clients through this template and they are clients that have never done any journal writing before and now they are avid journal writers. So they, it's just kind of, you know, taking those baby steps to look at how can you start this and do things that resonate with you. I think that's really key is to 
you know, if something resonates, then do it. Don't feel as though the pressure is, oh, I've been told I should do it, therefore I should. So just know that certain things and certain things I share or certain things we hear resonate with people. And that's kind of a little indication to kind of go down that track. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's making things as easy as possible to start with. And whether that's, yeah, like, as you say, using templates or um, if you're getting into meditation, trying a guided meditation and starting off with just this real small amount with it. I'm just reminded of uh, a guy who I was seeing from a, um, in a physio perspective and he had, um, he was catching up with a psychologist as well, just for some, some mental strategies around pain management. And I asked him, I was like, how did you go with those guided meditations that um, the psychologist gave you? He's like, oh, they were pretty good, eh? But I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. I only got, four, I got 45 minutes through and uh, then I just, I had to stop and get, move around. <laughs> and I was like, man, what did you, what did you pick? Did you not pick the five minute one to start with? So I think it's, um, yeah, as you say, it's, it's kind of being, being nice to yourself and looking for the easy way and whether that's doing or what, just starting off with one or two minutes at a time um, and doing things that, that resonate with you or make sense to you, but also doing them with people that resonate with you as well. Um, and I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people out there that are sharing lots of great information as well. Um, and it is finding out what, what works for you. And uh, if you've downloaded a, like a meditation app and, um, Sorry to all the Australian listeners, but if there's an Australian uh, doing the guided meditation, I can't do it. <laughs> if they've got a really, if they've got a really strong Australian accent, I'm like, oh, this is this is just not working for me. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I, I firm believer of of starting small. Like even even in the meditation sessions that I run, I, I run meditation classes locally. I've been doing them on the beach over the summer um, for local people, and and I do think um, finding your tribe is really key. And sometimes sharing the things that you're interested in is really key as well. Sometimes we have these interests or things we want to pursue more, but we feel as though no one does it or no one knows or kind of don't know where to start but uh you know even locally where i live here in papamoa there's there's an amazing community uh locally for for meditators so i've set up a group locally and there's 280 people in the group and they can come down as they please to come meditate on the beach with me and it's just it's a beautiful way just to you know connect with people and I think at the end of the day we all want to connect and we all want to feel mm -hmm. as though we belong so it's just it's about finding people that resonate in that respect with you as well yeah and I think like thankfully like we live in a time now where connection has actually never been easier so it is if you kind of if you share the stuff that you're interested in there is going to be a whole lot of people out there who are also interested in similar stuff or can can point you in the right direction as well it's sort of having the courage to to share that stuff initially is the is the key thing um i want to kind of take it back a, a step or two Annalise. so when you when you set up this business of yours and Tell, tell people what it is, actually, and then I'll continue my question. So, um, basically, I'm the founder of a company called The Kick-Ass Company, and uh, this is a company where we've got two brands. One brand is Kick-Ass Mamas, and one brand is Kick-Ass Couples. Now, we've just recently rebranded Kick-Ass Mamas. It used to be known as Mindful Mamas, and for the past two and a half years, I've been teaching mindfulness to mums, uh, running workshops, retreats, um, online courses, online programs, mainly to mums. Uh, but we've just <clears throat> kind of recently rebranded, which has been, you know, a, a, a move in the right direction. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a mindfulness coach. I'm a mindset coach. I support mums uh, throughout their life just to really, like I, I alluded to it earlier, the whole fact of when we become a mother, it can certainly change us. Like, for me personally, there's been so many shifts and changes and awakenings and aha moments in my journey. And a lot of the mums that I speak to and I coach and I support, 
they all say the same thing. It's almost like motherhood kind of rips us apart, kind of shows all our things that um, maybe we don't want to show or maybe our hidden fears, but also through that it allows that growth and that uh, journey to come. So, uh, yeah, so I just kind of share with mums and with my clients just ways to really live the best life they can and, and in regard to rebranding we want people to live a kick-ass life and and to live a kick-ass life that embodies the whole being of everyone so that's that mindfulness that i teach but it's also your mindset it's your well-being it's your how you take care of yourself it's your health your nutrition lots of different elements so that's kind of a sum up of, of what we do within the business is just getting people in regard to the kick-ass company is getting people to live their most intentional best life uh, through different tools and techniques that we kind of share and use. Uh, within. Awesome. To carry on with the question. So starting a business, going from a teacher mm -hmm. and a mother, both very challenging roles, but quite different to being a business owner. What made you think that you could pull it off and, and be a business owner? Or run a business. Anyone can be a business owner, but run a run a successful business. Yeah, I think initially I probably didn't really wholeheartedly understand the direction I was going in. When I first started Mindful Mamas, it was purely to start a group for mums locally. We had, at the time, we'd recently moved down from Auckland to Papamoa. Whilst I knew one person, I didn't know a lot of people and I felt quite lonely in my motherhood journey, just in my journey in general. So I remember doing a beach meditation one day and I was walking back and I had all these different feelings and emotions kind of crop up from that meditation. And, and I started thinking, I can't be the only personal mother that feels this way that feels a little bit lonely a little bit disconnected that wants to connect with other mums and things so it kind of started in that sense and then it organically growing <laughs> to what it is today so in the beginning I was sharing my knowledge I was just kind of giving back to the community that I'd created and then when I made that decision that I didn't want to go back to teaching I knew I had to do something else and I thought well I love teaching I love mindfulness why don't I combine the two and and so I created Created my first program which is the mindfulness for mums program that I taught locally for two years and love that connection love meeting all the mums and sharing my knowledge and having that impact in their life and then as the time's gone on we've now moved things online so we're moving digitally so we have the program online and things so I guess there's lots of ups and downs and challenges within that process but initially I don't think I really knew the direction that I was going until kind of maybe this time last year when we made that clear intention that yes this is a business and I need to treat it like a business I think previously I probably more saw it as a hobby or a passion of mine whilst I do believe you can be passionate in business I didn't really probably see it as the importance of what I wanted to share but now I'm at a point where yes I do love what I do I love connecting with lots of different people and I need to take it seriously and so that's what we've been doing definitely over the last year putting the systems in place making it so that it actually is a business that is going to be profitable and you know we're supporting and connecting with lots of different people and sharing our knowledge of what we know with with everyone else out there what's been the what's been the most challenging or the couple of the most challenging things for you in that process i think one major thing for me is the whole notion of belief and actually believing in yourself. It can be very hard. You can have lots of different voices going on in your head when you think about, can I do this? Am I able to start a business? Am I able to make this uh, viable? So there's a lot of doubt that can go on. And I think stepping and moving through that doubt and actually having that underlying belief in yourself and actually what you're providing and the impact that you have on others, that's what pushes you through. So definitely the doubt has been a major thing for me that I've had to overcome. And then I guess just things around learning new systems, new tools and things. Like I'm pretty much a one-man band. So I'm content creator and I'm the marketer. I'm, you know, I'm out there actually presenting course and things. And so there's a lot of different elements that I've had to learn within business about putting myself out there and being comfortable with going and sharing what I offer and you know all of that kind of stuff that comes with owning your own business that you kind of at the time don't really consider or think about about and, and you're kind of stepped and pushed to go okay well I now need to learn how to do this how am I going to do it and you, you become quite resourceful and quite uh, you know being able to figure out 
solutions to problems. And I love, there's a lady that I follow called Marie Folio, and she has this philosophy called everything is figure outable. And I love that. And I think it's so key in business and life as well, just to keep that in mind. Because in those challenges or in those moments where I've created an online program myself, I created, used the platform that we had and created the whole course myself. And I've never done that before, but you know, through that process and any challenges I encounter, I'm like, no, this is figure outable. Everything is figure outable. How can I have a solution to this and manage to do it, you know, myself and things. So I think that's been a, a big kind of uh, lesson for me is just to, to know, yeah, believe in yourself and then to be open to learning new things really. And, and just actually taking the challenges up when they come as they quite often do arise. And are you starting to get more comfortable at taking on on those challenges now as well compared to say where you were a year or two ago definitely yeah I think I think initially I probably would have shied away from it and probably would have more gone down the track of this is too hard do I really want mm. to do this and you know go down that track but now I actually I always come back to the why and even when I share things with the clients that I work with I always get them to remember the why why we're doing anything in life whether that's starting a new exercise regime whether that's wanting to be more present with your children or wanting to really succeed in your career coming back to why you want to do it that is the most powerful thing because if your why is strong enough you will go ahead and you will push through and you will carry on so for me just coming back to that and reminding myself why am I doing this like why do I why do I share what I do why do I uh, do the different things it's because I love to impact others lives I know the power of what I share and what I teach and I know the how it allows people basically to show up and have a kick-ass life so also believing in what you share as well like I wholeheartedly believe in what I share and the content and the strategies and everything that I share work because I do it in daily life I live what I teach so I'm not just going out and saying do this and then I don't actually do it myself I'm kind of test dummy for a lot of things yeah just actually going out kind of understanding why you wanted to do it is that big thing that got you over that initial hump when you were starting out where you kind of might have otherwise shied away from from doing the hard work yes I think I think that and also having I think what also helped me is having a supportive network around me of people that actually believe in me and one of those people is my husband so he's very supportive and he as is the case in life, quite often other people see in you your qualities and things that you may not initially see until you kind of push through to actually do it. And then you're like, oh, actually, I can do it. So he's always been a really big supporter for me to go, Annalise, no, look, this you can do. Or look at it from this perspective. Or can you do that? And just having someone to bounce things off as well can be really helpful. Get clarity and really show you what why you are doing what you're doing. So I think having a really good supportive team around you is really key as well. And I think like an interesting point on creating that supportive team around you is that like if you can't identify someone, a group of people that you can go to for that at the moment, like there are great resources out there. Like you mentioned that you listen to Marie Forleo as well. Like you can have a listen, consume her content or listen to her podcast. Or if she doesn't do it for you, there are a whole lot of other people out there as well that you might find actually the way that they deliver their messaging is helpful. So you can kind of almost get together a group of advisors and probably can't interact with them directly and ask them questions. But most of these people have so much content out there that you'll be able to find something that answers the question that you have or a question that's very similar to it. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, we're all lifelong learners and no matter what, we can always learn and grow. And so, yeah, I mean, I love podcasts, so I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm constantly learning and growing. And even, you know, some of the podcasts I listen to relate to business. So whilst marketing may not be my strong point, I can listen to podcasts around that and learn skills and strategies to be able to put myself out there. Or, you know, maybe there's something else that may not be a strength of mine, but I'm always a believer that you can always grow and learn and be able to do things that allow you to do that. So podcasts, books, you know, there's lots of different avenues, YouTube, there's lots of inspirational content there. There's so many different avenues that we can go down or people that we can turn to that can kind of support us in that journey to be able to overcome challenges or gain clarity or understanding on something that may be quite difficult for us to understand initially. What's the biggest challenge that you've got going on at the moment or in the next six months? I think the biggest challenge 
probably just with the business. I guess one of the biggest challenges is just kind of getting that integration of business and personal life and just feeling as though you're getting the flow of both. Sometimes it can feel like business is all consuming or sometimes it can feel like your personal life is all consuming or family life or whatever. So just trying to integrate those two things so that they weave together, you know, you can, you can feel as though you're doing well in both areas. And then I guess kind of moving into the next six months, eight months, especially with the business, is we're putting a lot of systems in place to really automate our business, to really make it so that it's something that really goes to the next level. And especially with it being online, moving it online, that's kind of been a challenge with us, learning new tools, new techniques, new systems, just to actually do all of that. For us, stepping out of our comfort zone and, and learning these things and talking to the right people to help us, that's definitely kind of a challenge that we've got coming up in the mm. next eight months, just with making sure that things kind of run smoothly, that I can still have the business, but also um, have that balance with my life as well, with my personal life, with the kids, spending time with the kids and things like that. Definitely. Jumping back to that balance and that integration, how do you recognize when you're getting it wrong? I probably tune in quite a lot to me. So when I feel stress or when I experience stress, that's when I'm kind of like knowing that maybe something's out of kilter and maybe I'm not kind of getting things right in one area or the other. So I just kind of have to come back to me. And whilst in a family setting, at the end of the day, and this is something I talk a lot about with mums, is just the importance of self-care and just taking care of yourself and your needs so that you can actually show up as your best self. Uh, so quite often it's coming back to me and just taking that step back. Often my husband, he may make a comment or a suggestion and say, hey, look, this is doing a lot with this, but maybe we need to do focus on this area of things. He's a good bouncing board as well for me just to kind of bring myself back and just get that alignment with the different areas or the different things that we're trying to manage at any given time. And if you're doing self-care well for yourself, yeah, what does that look like for you? For me, self-care is, it's tuning in to the whole element of us so it's tuning into your mind body and soul and I think if you really want to have a true sense of self-care is actually making sure you're catering all those three needs of yours so for your mind you know if, if you feel quite often stressed or overwhelmed or have different things going on it's doing practices and tools that allow you just to calm down and settle so that could be mindfulness it could be meditation it could be getting out in nature it could be catching up with friends doing things that kind of allow you just settle or doing a simple declutter of your mind that could be just brain dumping everything that's on your mind in a particular day and just getting it out or it could be decluttering your personal space so you know sometimes for some people stress is brought on cluttered spaces and I definitely fall into this trap of if the house is a mess, even with toys around, it, it affects my mind. So just being able to have those spaces, you know, tidy or whatever. And then, you know, tuning into the body. So are we taking care of our body? What do we need to do to take care of our body? Are we moving it? Are we exercising in ways that, you know, uplift us? Or are we having the right food that nourishes us and all those things? And, and then the soul is just tapping into the essence of who we are and tuning into our intuition, tuning into our guidance system and listening to it and not ignoring it. So for me, self-care doesn't have to be grand things. Self-care on a daily basis could simply be checking in and saying, how am I feeling in this moment? That's a pretty powerful question to ask yourself on a daily basis because daily you are checking in with yourself. You are kind of knowing what's going on for you. I think a lot of mums feel guilty or a lot of people in general feel guilty for taking time for themselves. But what I always share and what I always try and reiterate is if you want to show up as your best self and if you want to give your best self to your family, to your work, to people in your life, you really have to take care of yourself. It has to start with you and no one else is going to do that. So just sharing that in and moving people away from that notion of feeling guilty for doing it because the opposite of it is a burnt out person, someone that's stressed and overwhelmed. No one really wants that. And if we reflect internally for ourselves, we don't want that either of ourselves. We want to really show up in a way that we're loving, we're light, we've got that energy and that ability to connect and things. So yeah, for me, self-care just is focusing on the whole person of who I am and, and making sure that each day I'm doing something that allows me time. So I mean, I love reading. 
So reading is a form of self-care. You know, there's lots of things and going back to things that bring you joy, implement that in your life. Implement that in your daily life. Like if you love doing dancing, like you could start a dance party in your house, put some music on and dance around. That instantly raises your vibration. That instantly is a way that you're taking care of your needs. So just being able to acknowledge and see that it's not just a, I'm going to go and have a spa or I'm going to go for a treatment and that's my tick for the week. It's more, it's a daily practice for me. Drop the mic. I think we're done on that one. That was a great answer. Um, Annalise, I want to ask you some questions that I like to ask everyone towards the end of the conversation. The first is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? If I'm being completely honest, probably the last uncomfortable thing I did was actually reach out to you and just ask to be on your podcast. It's not something that I typically do. And just having that faith and that belief in yourself to actually reach out to people and see if they resonate with you, that probably was the last uncomfortable thing. And the way that I got through it is, you know, you're either going to get a yes or a no. Just sometimes taking that attachment from answers or responses or things, taking that away can be really helpful. So just having, once again, that confidence to actually step up and say this is something that I want to do this is something that I'd like to you know be able to share and this is a format in which I can share who I am what I do and how I can support people so just getting up getting my you know putting my big girl pants on and just reaching out to people and uh, and doing it I guess that was probably the most recent uncomfortable thing and just believing in myself how I got through nice and I'm glad that you did and yeah, one of, the, one of the kind of ways I think about that as well is that how much do I care if someone that I don't know says no to me? Probably not that much. But yeah, thank you for doing that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. What is the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? Next uncomfortable thing, that's a good question. Probably the next uncomfortable thing is just moving our business in a direction we see the vision for it but actually putting it into practice so on the grand scheme of things we know the direction we want to go in with the business but sometimes you can get caught up in all the minute details of it so actually just believing in ourselves and and taking those steps and taking the action I think that's what stops a lot of people from moving forward or making changes in their life is we all just get stuck in action so it's actually taking those steps taking the action to move us to the direction we want to go in and like I said we believe in our vision we believe in what we're wanting to achieve it's just making that a reality which can be hard and that's where that that notion of self-doubt and things can often creep in but actually just yeah having that belief that we are doing what we're meant to do and this is powerful stuff so Mm. yeah and I mean we've covered off this a reasonable amount already but are there any other strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations I think yeah, I, we've kind of covered the main things like in regard to, I guess, tuning into yourself, having that belief, that mindset is really key, uh, just knowing that you can do it. So having that growth mindset or that can do attitude, uh, learning to acknowledge and understand that we also have an inner critic, but we also have an inner coach. And so sometimes we spend too much time listening to the inner critic, which stops us from doing any movement or gaining any traction in any, any area of our life, but we don't enlist that inner coach. We've all got that inner coach within us. So it's about learning to listen to that inner coach more and actually paying attention to that and moving in the direction of, of the guidance that we get from our inner coach. Mm. I like that actually I haven't I haven't heard it explained like that before so yeah thank you thank you for that um Annalise got a couple of other quick questions for you but I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation with me today thank you for reaching out um getting uncomfortable in in that regard uh but also thank you for all the work that you do in in helping especially mums start to become a little bit more aware of themselves about what lights them up and um, in ways to kind of practically action that as well. I think that that makes for much happier individuals, but also makes for for much happier, productive societies in the long term as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for saying yes (laughs) to my (laughs) call out. I appreciate it. 
it's nice to it's nice to connect with like-minded people and and just yeah like i said share share what we have to offer we're all here to kind of impart knowledge in whatever format that is and so i really appreciate what you do with your podcast and how you're supporting and guiding people in their life as well oh thank you i appreciate that um Next question, real easy. If people want to find out more about you, if they potentially want to work with you or consume some of your stuff, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Or what are the different ways they can do that? So there's, uh, I'm quite active on both Instagram and Facebook. So um, our handle is at kickassyourlife. So that is uh, on Instagram and Facebook. You can get kick-ass mamas through that. Uh, we also have kick-ass couples on uh, Instagram and Facebook. So we've got that. Uh, our website, which is currently up and running, there's mamas.kickassyourlife. Oh, sorry. Am I saying that wrong? I'm trying to remember it. It's all new for me. Uh, mamas at kickassyourlife.com. So kickass is K-I-C-K-A-S-S. Uh, yourlife.com and then uh, we are in the process of creating our landing page which would take people to both kick-ass couples and kick-ass mamas so uh, lots of different avenues but the main way to get me is through Instagram through Facebook and then mamas at kickassyourlife.com awesome uh, final question for you do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week a challenge this week I'd say is to Think about ways that you can implement little bits of mindfulness into your day. So like I said, mindfulness is a practice and a tool and a strategy that I use in daily life. So think about having little mindful moments in your day, whether that's as you wake up in the morning, tuning into your breath and just focusing on your breath, or whether that's as you wake up having a gratitude practice and just thinking of three things you're grateful for, or just setting that intention of how you want to start your day. Uh, or as you go through your day, how can you weave little mindful moments into your day? So whether that's, you know, when you're folding the washing or doing work or um, sending an email, just actually tuning into the present moment and focusing on that task at hand and not thinking about things to the future or thinking about the past. It's just about enjoying the present moment. Uh, so yeah, I think just find little moments in your day where you can be mindful, where you and tune in and just allow you a little bit of presence and then I'm going to add two I'm going to say another one is just think about ways that you can implement a little bit of self-love and self-care for yourself so think of things that light you up bring you joy uh, things that you enjoy and weave that into your day as well awesome and Lisa Arnold thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today <laughs> thank you for having me it, uh, it was a joy to be on the show <laughs> There you have it team, I hope you enjoyed that one. A couple of great challenges to set you up for the week. Uh, where can you be a bit mind, more mindful during the day? And also how can you practice self-love as well? I would love to hear how you get on with that, kind of what you've chosen, where you've fitted, uh, fitted in both of those into your life. Uh, so feel free to send us a message or post them on social media and, and tag both Uncomfortable is Okay and tag Annalise in it as well. Thank you to Jyland for your awesome editing skills. Thank you to my brother Jeremy Desmond for the amazing theme music. And thank you as always to you guys for taking the time to get uncomfortable with Annalise and I this week. Mm -hmm.